0: everyone. Welcome back to Different Like Me, a podcast for creating connection and belonging through storytelling. I'm Anna, a writer and expat living in Seoul, South Korea, which is where I have finally returned to after a very wonderful, overdue, but also somewhat drawn-out trip to the States. And since Korea still has mandatory quarantine for all incoming travelers, here I am in my little studio apartment, day six of ten so grateful to be back but also wondering what the heck just happened in the last podcast I talked about some of the process of going home and I say that in air quotes because as you know the home word is just very loaded for me and then while I was in the states I wrote and recorded two more episodes but they didn't feel right so I didn't make them public and then spoiler alert here I got COVID, which meant I lost my voice. I'm still recovering with my voice, but amongst a whole other host of things. But you know what? It was a really interesting experience. And I know we're all so tired of hearing about this thing as it fled so much of our daily lives, and it has for the past two years. However, I wanted to tell my story because it's just been so fascinating for me to compare each country's approach and guidelines and reaction to this pandemic, and I want to be very clear that everything in this episode is from my own perspective, and I am by no means a public health professional or anyone who has the right to give any kind of medical advice. This is simply my story, and hopefully, it can provide a tiny bit of insight or, at the very least, some entertainment. So, without further ado, get comfy because it's story time. Let's get into it. Dreams have always held significant value in my life. I've always been a vivid dreamer and typically remember my dreams. For example, when I was living between Eswatini and Tennessee, I would have this recurring dream that Justin Bieber came to live on the farm in Eswatini because he knew no one would find him there. Pretty funny and also very random since I've never been like a huge Justin Bieber fan, but Justin dreams must be some kind of theme because I also had this very vivid dream one time That I was at a wedding and got seated next to Justin Timberlake and Jessica Biel at the reception. We hit it off and started talking about our love for planners and baking. And after exchanging emails, yes, emails, I sent him my cinnamon roll recipe. And he returned the favor by sending me his raspberry jelly filled donut (laughs) recipe. So specific, right? Before the before leaving the wedding, we danced and belted out his song, Until the End of Time. What a moment. That was a really hard dream for me to wake up from, because obviously, these dreams have a very small probability of happening in the real world. However, I have had a few dreams in my life that really did come true. That's right, people. Just dress me in a multicolored coat and call me Joseph. I really hope you get that reference, because if you don't, this is going to be embarrassing. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is, I have vivid dreams. That's the point of all of this, and also exactly where our story begins today. You can imagine how uncomfortable I started to feel when, in the months and weeks leading up to my trip back to the States... I started having this recurring dream that I was back in Tennessee and had tested positive for the big ick. In my dream, I was crying and so completely distraught. There was this feeling of my life being over, which I know, that's dramatic. I told my my friends about the dream thinking, okay, if I say this out loud, I'll hear how silly it is And since I have great friends, they all assured me it was going to be okay. However, I just kept having the same dream over and over and over. I get COVID in Tennessee. I'm beyond angry. I'm stuck there. I can't come back to Korea, and I lose everything I've been working for. Again, very dramatic. But I've been living in Korea through this whole entire pandemic, so let me just try to paint a brief picture of what that's been like, so you understand why a positive test would be such a big deal to me. When we first heard news of this mystery virus, it was January 2020, early January 2020, and I wasn't too alarmed. I mean, East Asia has seen plenty of similar situations, and no one around me seemed bothered. And then, suddenly, they were. It seemed like, overnight, everything just started buzzing. I couldn't find hand sanitizer anywhere. Masks were disappearing as well. We started hearing announcements in the subway that sounded kind of apocalyptic. They would say, to prevent the spread of coronavirus, please cover your nose and mouth, report any symptoms by calling blah, blah, blah. And it just repeated. That was when things really started to get real. (laughs) Hegu, a city in the southeast, had climbing numbers and went into lockdown. The cases were rising daily, and I remember when we reached over 1,000 total cases. There was a pit in my stomach. Every single day, I got emails from the US embassy urging us as overseas citizens to fly home or prepare to stay in country for an indefinite amount of time, which when you live overseas and your family and your friends and your loved ones do not. That is a very scary email to get. One day I was walking to work and saw an ambulance outside of one of the apartment buildings in my neighborhood. The EMTs were all in hazmat suits. And the patient was being wheeled out to the ambulance on a stretcher with this weird bubble looking like something out of ET. And then, little by little, all of the restrictions started tightening. Now, thankfully, Seoul has never experienced an actual lockdown, but my school that I was working for at the time did close for a really long time, and I don't even remember how long, maybe six weeks or two months i was terrified i know we all were right there were so many unknowns but mostly just the daily shock of living in a terrible sci-fi movie not knowing what the next day would look like every time i, w- I was on the subway i was stressed every time someone coughed near me at the grocery store i was stressed And keep in mind, masks were already a thing here, so that wasn't an issue. But just not knowing how this thing spreads, where it comes from, where it lives, what happens if I get it. You all know what I'm talking about. But then, also add on top of that, living in a foreign country where your employer is trying to get away with paying you less than the legal amount, along with a rise in xenophobia, and it was all just a lot So I need you guys to understand, it wasn't just about the possibility of getting sick. It was more like, if you test positive, you get sent to a facility, you could lose your job, which means losing your visa, all that on top of getting sick. So whatever happens, do not get this thing. That's what was pounded in my mind over and over and over again keep your circle small, don't travel locally, don't even think about traveling internationally, don't go to crowded restaurants, don't go to the gym. The pressure was, and still is, very real. Meanwhile, in America, (laughs) I'm watching from a distance as the country shuts down, and friends and family start getting it, and it was crazy. I also know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I wanted to provide a little bit of backstory. But now, it's almost two years later, and so much has changed from the winter slash springtime of 2020. I'm fully vaccinated. We know more about it. And international travel is becoming more common as long as you can provide a negative test, of course. Korea even removed its quarantine requirements for a while, so when I got my flight, I was apprehensive about the trip going back to the States, but also very much looking forward to seeing my friends and family again. I knew it was time, despite that nagging and unwelcome reoccurring dream that I kept having. My first two weeks in the States were very calm. I was there when my nephew was born and got to see his squishy little face through the hospital glass. I made it through church Christmas program without having a panic attack. Good job, me. And spent a quiet and very cozy Christmas with my family, which was lovely. I promised myself I would take the first two weeks to just adjust, spend some time being quiet and processing all of 2021 in its entirety. And then, after the new year... I would see all of my friends and do all the get-together things, so I did. I planned to go to Atlanta to see my dear friends there, set a date where most of my childhood friends could get together, which is a miracle in itself, <laughs> with all the kids and the schedules, etc. I planned to have a little yoga retreat with another dear friend, Plan to go see my extended family lunches and coffee dates and all the things we out-of-towners do when we get to come home. It was going to be a lot, but I was so looking forward to seeing everyone. A few days after the new year, I was doing, you know, the typical new year stuff and going through the things I have in storage at my parents' house. The weather had suddenly gone from warm spring break type weather to freezing cold narnia in a snap. Got to love Tennessee weather. You never know what you're going to get, which is really just the t- the cherry on top when the whole entire world is in a state of uncertainty. But anyways, I spent the evening digging through dusty old boxes of clothes and books and all kinds of documents in a freezing cold room. So when I went to sleep that night with a bit of a sore throat, I didn't really think anything of it and then I woke up the next morning feeling like I had swallowed sand. My whole throat was hurting so badly so of course logically I immediately panic (laughs) and I take a rapid test that my parents had hoarded for such a time as this. Thank you parents. It was negative but I didn't feel good about that. So I started searching for appointments at drive-through testing facilities and everything was booked for that day, which was a Friday and also Saturday, except for one appointment at a CVS in a small town about 30 minutes away. So of course I took it and immediately started dipping my toe into the black hole of anxiety and despair and panic and bartering, and all the emotions you could ever think of. I was texting everyone I knew who had it, trying to compare symptoms, looking for some way to justify that this was just a cold. The weather changed quickly, I don't have a fever, it's just a sore throat and some sniffles, and so on. Meanwhile, My family is really doing their best to talk me off the ledge, (laughs) telling me that it's probably nothing and to just trust the rapid test. But there was, again, just this deep pit in my stomach. First thought, I've exposed my parents and now their lives are going to be interrupted and they may get really sick. Second thought, we have family pictures and I'm gonna be around my very brand new baby nephew. And then thoughts three through 782, somewhere around that, were just spiraled along the lines of I'm stuck here forever. I'm never going to test negative for this thing. This totally messes up my timeline. I'm going to have to cancel everything. What if I lose my job because I can't get back in time for my immigration appointment and then I won't have a visa or a job and I'm going to be homeless and my life will be over? Also, if COVID brain is a real thing, I'm never going to be able to create good work again, plus hundreds of other very scary (laughs) and what felt like, at the time, very real worst case scenarios. Now, at this time, you need to know something about me. (laughs) I'm an Enneagram 6. Creating worst case scenarios is basically my job. You know that saying that's like, do one thing every day that scares you. Yeah, that's absolutely not a problem for me. I'm 31 years old, and sleeping in complete darkness still scares me. Asking my teacher to go to the bathroom when I was in, when I was in elementary school scared me. Calling anyone I don't know, and sometimes even people that I do, still scares me. We largely like predictability and have a deep need to be safe. And also see the 16,000 ways either us or someone else could die in any given situation. Typical overthinker stuff, you know? So anyways, that's where I'm coming from. And the dumpster fire of doom and gloom that I found my brain in, especially on days, days one and from days one to five of my symptoms is probably the worst part of this whole entire experience. So, for my fellow nosy people out there, you may be asking, well, Anna, what were your symptoms then? Let me break this down for you, because there were very much two categories to my symptoms. First, COVID symptoms. Second, symptoms of my raging anxiety. In the COVID corner, we have very sore throat, sore neck. Like, it felt like I had slept wrong, you know, and it was right at the base of my neck where, like, my neck and my back meet. Swollen glands on my neck, losing my voice, sniffles, drainage, and that's about it. I coughed a little bit trying to get the drainage up. Ew, I know, that's gross. There are also two days that I fell asleep in the middle of the day, so... There was some fatigue, I guess. But overall, it was very mild with the sore throat only lasting a couple of days. Thank God. Now, in the raging anxiety corner, we have shaking uncontrollably, throwing up, constantly sick to my stomach, heart racing, and like I said, just a full-on mental dumpster fire, which was only worsened when I got my positive test results back a day after my family pictures (laughs) fun times fun times as soon as i got those results i made an appointment with one of my favorite humans on this earth carrie at tree of life healing center and if you're in atlanta seriously go make an appointment and go she had just had a cancellation and was able to fit me in that day again praise god She gave me a whole arsenal of holistic, like, antiviral treatments, which was great for my body. But my mind was still in panic mode with all of the alarms going off, all the horror stories playing on repeat. And that, again, was the worst part. Because this really wasn't about being sick, was it? It was about being stuck. It was about my actual nightmare coming true and unfolding right before my eyes, feeling betrayed by people I trusted to keep me safe, and also having this deep fear that what I had been working towards was going to be taken from me. And just this overall, you know, why me moment. I mean, seriously, I've been living in a city with 10 million people, riding the packed subways. And eating out, and doing my best to be safe, but I still live, and then I come back to the States, limit my contact with people in an attempt to still be safe, and nope. <laughs> Between Carrie and my counselor, who is also high up on my favorite humans list, my family, my friends, I finally started taking steps off the ledge. My worst case scenario had come true, so now what? The answer that I found to that question was, just do one thing at a time. So first, I canceled all the things, which hurt. Then I moved my flight back a few days, which hurt again. And then, with my schedule clear, I just focused on getting better. I went on masked rides through the mountains with my mom (laughs) and took approximately 20 vitamins a day. It was so much I drank apple cider vinegar and cayenne pepper and grapefruit seed extract. And I watched Jeopardy with my parents at night and was grateful that I had people to take care of me and that I wasn't alone in a quarantine facility in a country where I'm very much considered still a foreigner. I prayed, I recited affirmations, I journaled and I read books, I watched Netflix, and I just took everything one day at a time. I hated it, and at the same time, I very much see the silver lining there. So soon after I tested positive, Korea changed its re-entry requirements to needing a negative PCR test 48 hours before departure instead of 42, which scared me a little bit, but I got a negative test 12 days after symptoms started, cried big ol' relief tears, and said all of the last-minute goodbyes, and headed to the Atlanta airport at 4.30 a.m. with my parents. (laughs) Since I wasn't sure when I was going to be able to leave, I did a terrible job packing, seriously, like, no skill. I just threw everything into two bags and called it done. So I shouldn't have been surprised when one of my bags was 10 pounds overweight. Uh, But it did heap on some added stress, considering I found out that said bag was 10 pounds overweight, at 4:30 in the morning when we were literally leaving for the airport i didn't have time to shuffle anything then so my dad threw an extra suitcase in the back of the car and i repacked everything in the parking garage of the atlanta airport imagine me with two huge suitcases sprawled out on a disgusting parking garage floor trying to find extra nooks and crannies to stuff the 15 books I had decided to bring back with me. And I also had stuff from storage like African baskets and a massive hand-carved Impala figure. (laughs) And also very important things like Chick-fil-A sauce. So only the most holy things. But I even had to laugh at myself in that parking lot. You could tell I was so out of practice but in the end I had two perfectly packed 49 pound bags. Thanks very much to my dad, who is an actual packing professional, was coaching me through the whole thing. Check-in was fine, except for the document check part. Not that anything was wrong, but my imagination was just having some fun, you know, picturing my test getting declined. Again, overthinker stuff, but I said goodbye to my parents. Cried all the way to my gate and uh, even want to cry now just saying that it is so, so hard saying goodbye. I absolutely love my life in Korea and I know that this is exactly where I'm meant to be, but man, what I would give to be able to build a bridge between all of the places where my heart lives because truly, saying goodbye to family and friends never gets easier for me. Maybe on the surface I look like I do well but there's always tears, whether they're hidden or obvious. The flight back to Seoul was amazing, eventful, uh, oh, uneventful, not eventful, (laughs) comfy. I have no complaints there, but the real party started as soon as we landed. During the flight, we were given three pieces of paper, like three forms to fill out, which were quite intense. I knew Korea had strict processes, um, so I was anticipating a little bit of that. But wow, the process to get through was so long. First, I had to go through a health screening, and since I had experienced symptoms within the past 21 days, I had to go to an additional interrogation, and yes, that's what they really called it, (laughs) where I was questioned about my symptoms and testing positive and all of that lovely stuff. Before I had left the States, I got a letter from the Tennessee Department of Health saying that I had completed quarantine. And I'm so glad I did that because they had to take a picture of that letter and then send it to a doctor to get approval before I could proceed to the next step, which was immigration. I filled out an additional form, got questioned again, Then proceeded to immigration part two which was basically the same thing except for they give everyone info on what to do for quarantine after that i collected my bags and then went through the last step customs which was easy home free except (laughs) not since i'm quarantining at home i had two options for transportation to get back to my apartment i could take a taxi or a van, and both had to be pro- approved for transportation. There was also like this bus, but I think it only took you to the health department in Seoul. It didn't take you, you know, it didn't take me close to my home, so I still would have had to take a quarantine approved taxi. So, anyways, I chose the van, but ended up with a truck, which was kind of weird because trucks are not typically a thing in Seoul, but There I was, paying $80 for a truck taxi man to take me home. It was a lot, but um, luckily I was at the front of the line, so I didn't have to wait in the lines very long, and I got through all of those processes pretty quickly. I'm very, very thankful for that, but wow, Five, five five counters, five people I had to go through? That's insane. Six, if you count, like, the transportation. After finally getting back to my apartment and giving my bed a giant hug, I had to sort out downloading the home quarantine app where I check in twice a day, had to get another PCR test the next day, and, you know, just normal quarantine stuff. It's been a mission, guys. But I'm here, and I'm home, quarantine is the least fun thing, but I am happy to have a healthy quarantine time with plenty of food and sunshine through my windows and books to read, (laughs) of course. And here's where I want to kind of wrap this story up. Sometimes the exact thing that you didn't want to happen happens, and you're allowed to grieve that. Feel all the feels, let your mind go crazy, but Often these situations are also an opportunity for us to dig deeper into ourselves and identify what underlying beliefs we're holding. So for me, my fear wasn't necessarily getting sick. It was more the fear of being held back from entering into this really exciting new chapter of my life. And now that I know this story is fueling my fears and my doubts and those annoying feelings of unworthiness, I can write new ones in quarantine which is what I'm doing now. (laughs) Okay, so that's my story today, guys. I feel like I should have started with, hi, my name is Anna and this is my COVID story. Do you guys remember that crystal campaign back in the day (laughs) where they said that? Anyways, thank you for joining me today. You can always feel free to message me on Instagram at either expatanna or different like me podcast and tell me your weird dreams or a worst-case scenario that you've lived through. I love hearing from you all, and while we're on that topic, I just want to say how deeply grateful I am for all of you who are listening to this podcast and sharing it and giving me positive and encouraging feedback. Thank you to all who have written reviews. They may or may not have made me cry, but also I just want to share with you guys the most incredible thing to me about this podcast, which is where our little different like me audience lives. Are you ready? Okay. You guys are listening from the USA, South Korea, the United Kingdom, South Africa, Australia, Eswatini, Ireland, Germany, Canada, Norway, the Czech Republic, Malawi, China, Kenya, Nepal, Puerto Rico, the Netherlands, India, Switzerland, and Indonesia. That's almost 20 countries, and I feel really, really honored, so thank you. As always, guys, don't forget to subscribe or follow the Different Like Me podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to make sure you're notified when a new episode is available. Share with your friends and family on social media, and follow on Instagram at Different Like Me Podcast or you can also just follow me at expat anna wishing you all a very happy and hopeful belated new year and until next time the end